that could apply to the new version of Team USA. The U.S. men's national team on the way to Qatar, and it's one of the youngest in history. Uh, it's a really young team, but Greg Berhalter and his coaching staff had to come up with a roster in time uh, for deadlines. They've submitted the names. There were a couple of guys left off that really raised eyebrows. It is the second youngest U.S. men's national team roster ever at a World Cup. Average age, 25 years, 175 days. First game is coming up fast. Wales, that soccer power. We better not lose to Wales is all I'm saying. Wales on November 21st. You have to go back to 1990 to find a younger squad. Though there are some veterans on this squad. And man, they've waited a long time. Christian Pulisic did not get a chance to play in the World Cup four years ago because they did not qualify. The only player with previous World Cup experience, DeAndre Yedlin. That's it. But he was part of that national team that made the round of 16 in 2014. Can't wait for that game against England. November 26th, Thanksgiving week. So we're asking you this morning... Good morning to you. Happy Thursday. What is your level of interest in the U.S. and the Men's World Cup? And I do mean both. You may not be all that interested in the rest of the World Cup, but you are heavy USA. USA. You may actually be rooting for a different nation, but not Italy. Sorry, suckas. Just kidding. I actually would like Italy to be in I get very competitive when it comes to Team USA on the Olympic stage, on the World Cup stage. Uh, So you may not be interested in the Americans as much as you're interested in some of the other national powers and some of the incredible superstars that we see on display. And there will be superstars that are born in this World Cup. It's coming. Just days away, all the nations are now converging in Africa, and it's an eight-hour time difference from the East Coast, an 11-hour time difference from the West Coast. There will be games at all time and all manner of hours. Messi, 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 Messi. (laughs) It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Find us on Twitter, After Hours CBS. Also, my Twitter, A-Law Radio. I was saying this earlier. My Twitter is bleeding followers. It's really funny because I knew I had some bots But I don't know what else Elon Musk is doing now that he's taken over from Twitter. But I've heard these news reports that high-profile Twitter accounts, of which I am not one, are losing thousands of followers. Not only because they're cleaning up Twitter, but because people are deleting their Twitter accounts because they're so angry that Elon Musk took over. Do you think Elon's account is losing those bots or he's keeping Uh, his numbers up? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. We'll have to check it out. Um, But yeah, I I couldn't care less who's running it as long as I can still use it for what I need it for. But I think it's so funny. Twitter's been a cesspool for a decade, but now people are upset because Elon Musk takes over. I love it when Twitter gets moral. Anyway, I'm losing a bunch of followers. So, you know, if you got kicked off of the site and have to start a new account (laughs) where you can find us after our CBS or a law radio. Although right now I'm super unpopular. So maybe don't follow me also on our Facebook page after hours with Amy Lawrence coming up. Part of my conversation with longtime NFL QB and CBS sports analyst, Trent green. Wait until you hear what he has to say about Jeff Saturday taking over for the Colts and also Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I impressed Trent with my analogy, my comparison. 
the Patrick Mahomes of the NBA. I feel like you guys know me. You should know who I brought up to Trent, but he'd never thought of it. So brownie points. Now we can just, we're like BFFs. We can text him anytime. (laughs) So that as well as we're going to hear from Greg Berhalter about the U.S. men's national team and how he feels about the team, but also one of his favorites that he left off the roster uh, after debating with his coaches. So all of that is ahead. Our phone number, 855-212-4227. And then on our social media, you can always connect. And right now you can take our poll about the World Cup. In basketball, best team in the league, because you are what your record says you are, had load management coming out its rear end last night. I'm not a huge fan. And I didn't mean loads. Never mind. <laughs> Ew, no poop jokes on the show, Amy. It's Thursday morning. There's people waking up to that. I had a rule. This goes back to when it was Tom and Tom. Well, Tom and Isaac and Pete, but Tom and Tom and, and Pete and Marco. No bathroom humor. But Pete Schwartz could not stick to it. He was constantly trying to tell stories about the bathroom. Pete, no, we're not talking about the men's bathroom right now. I don't care what's going on in there, and I don't care what it smells like. But then I broke my own rule when we had that whole saga with, well, Jay went into the women's bathroom, don't tell the bosses, uh, because we there was something, something died in there. I was escorted in, so. What? You went in first, you liar. We're trying to make it look good here. Uh, oh, oh! it's theater of the mind so we can lie. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? For the bosses so he doesn't get exterminated or whatever. Uh, so, yes, we don't generally do potty humor here because I have an aversion to it. So, sorry. That was just ignore the girl who's talking right now. But now pay attention. <laughs> so, the load management for the, the Milwaukee Bucks on the road in Oklahoma City Maybe they were willing to sacrifice a game, or maybe they just thought it wouldn't ever be this close. But, man, lots of work for Brooke Lopez specifically. Dilton's Alexander, five seconds. A play by Matthews. Working up top. Three seconds. Steps back, fires. Angle left, three-pointer is on the way. Cha-ching! It's on the money ball! Shea does it! Shea does it! Six-tenths of a second left. The Thunder lead, 126-125. Hill to send it in. He lobs up top for Lopez, puts the shot up. He was fouled. Brooke Lopez was fouled with .2 seconds remaining here in overtime. Are you kidding me? Lopez bounces the ball a few times. He's shooting in all those thunder sticks. First free throw. Too strong. Oh, my goodness. Second free throw from Brooke to try to send this to double overtime and gets it to go as it rolls around and drops. And he does. So the Bucks missing their top two scorers. No Giannis. He had a sore left knee. No Drew Holiday. Sprained right ankle. Uh, instead, you've got a Javon Carter who has career highs of 36 points and a dozen assists. How about that? Uh, into the void. Next man up, baby. And Javon Carter maybe earned himself a few more minutes. Uh, But it was also Brooke Lopez on his broad shoulders who was carrying the load. This reminded me of the way the Nets and the Mavericks finished up a couple of nights ago, right? When Kevin Durant had some incredible streak and hadn't missed a free throw in forever. I'm sure uh, a jinx was blamed. And he misses and they end up losing to the Mavericks. But in this case, they needed two to win, one to tie. They had to go into double OT. 
Portis in the corner, feeds the left wing. Carter drives, splits a pair of defenders, and he gets it to roll late on the shot clock as it hangs on the rim. Here's Portis on the other side. Left of the lane, defended by Giddy. He pulls up, can't hit the shot. Lopez skies up for the rebound. He spins in the low block. He powers the shot up and good. Brooke Lopez has been a man amongst boys at times throughout these overtimes and late in regulation. Portis banging around with Giddy. He flips it up. Right hand jump hook. Got it. It's a four-point lead, and the Bucks leaning on some of that championship DNA here late. A couple guys that have been through the battles against the youngest team of the league in OKC. Bucks Radio, Thunder Radio. This is a little thunder. This is <laughs> they are the youngest team in the league. So yes, I guess technically that would qualify them qualify them to be the little thunders. Thank you, Tim Roy. Uh, so Bucks and Thunder Radio with the calls. Brooke Lopez, twenty four points. 13 rebounds, five block shots. And even though they were missing a bunch of their starters, the Buccaneers rallied to win after dropping their first game. Who did I say? Buccaneers. I did it again. I said the Buccaneers again. This is what happens when you put me in football mode and ask me to talk about basketball. Sorry about that. Thank you, Jay. I did that earlier in the show. The perfect show lasted maybe five minutes. So, yes, the Bucks. Let's just stick to the Bucks, and then it applies across the board. The Bucks lost their their first game just recently after winning their uh, opening nine. And so they do have 10 wins now, but it came the unconventional way with the leadership and the veteran presence of Bobby Portis. It was great. Uh, you know, we had a lot of guys uh, step up and play a big role in, in the in the win tonight, a lot of guys stepped up, got defensive styles, made a lot of baskets, and uh, ultimately it was a great team win. Um, grinded out type of game. Um, obviously, um, you know, credit to them. They, you know, pushed us to the final buzzer, and uh, we expected that. Um, you know, they're a gritty team. They give it their all, all 48 minutes or 58 minutes tonight, and um, it was great. Milwaukee actually had a 12-point lead with under five minutes to play, but the Thunder were able to rally in front of that home crowd. Uh, they go five, uh, actually Javon Carter goes five of ten from beyond the arc, and that was a huge deal. But I love the opportunity that was there for him, and he carpe diemed it. He seized the day. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Speaking of seizing the day, well, Jacques Vaughn has now been named the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, so no Ime Udoka. The Nets did their research. They talked to a bunch of people around Ime and around the Celtics and decided they didn't want to mess with that whole situation, so the Celtics are still stuck with him. Instead, Jacques Vaughn now has the interim title stripped from his name. It means a lot. I played for this organization. I've been here seven years and uh, really been, hopefully, a loyal servant along the way. And uh, now I get to, to serve in a different capacity and looking forward to it. I guess I was the, uh, was that the write-in candidate in, in the uh, <laughs> minds of... Uh, of elections right now, but uh, I'm okay with that. I, I said to my wife, I might have not been her for, first choice, and uh, <laughs> we've, we've been together 20 years, so, you know, it could all work out, so um, off we go. Personally, I like the way the team has been playing. I mean, they've been competing at a high level. They've obviously rallied around each other. You know, they've rallied around the coaching staff. They've rallied around JV, and, you know, you know he's he's been the catalyst for that, so I've got to give him credit in order for us to continue and to keep building and to get to where we need to be we've got a long way to go there's, there's there's no doubt about that but i think he's shown us that they've taken the right steps on the way and they can continue to show improvement looking forward to playing for him you know all the guys have um, responded to um, how he wants us to play and um, 
you know, so I'm looking forward to, you know, how we progress after this. So Kevin Durant, Sean Marks, Jacques Vaughn on the same page, and they've won three of four, even without Kyrie Irving. By the way, there is no update on Kyrie Irving. Essentially, Mark said, we're on a need-to-know basis, and when there's something that we need to know, he will tell us. I don't actually believe him, uh, but for now, there is no update. What I did see, though, is that Sean hasn't even spoken to Kyrie, so uh, maybe they told him to go AWOL and take some time away. They've spoken to his agents, but they have not spoken to the player himself. Didn't seem like they needed him last night against the New York Knicks. They absolutely crushed the Knicks in Brooklyn. Durant with a triple-double, 29 points, a dozen rebounds, a dozen assists, and Tom Thibodeau knows how they got whipped. He got everything. He, you know, he scored. He made, made plays. He created easy offense. So we have to do better. Short and sweet, though Jalen Brunson was decidedly more upset about it that this type of a loss was completely unacceptable. All right, let's squeeze in one more because it was the Battle of L.A. the way that it was the Battle of New York. Clippers two minutes away from their ninth straight win against the Lakers. Jackson looks to turn the corner. Teardrop, he's got it. Mr. June getting it done in November. Powell, 16 off the bench. George with 29. Back to Powell. All the way in, Norman Powell, the springboard slam. That's Noah Eagle on Clippers Radio. So, yes, they extend their win streak against the Lakers. Man, this is not what LeBron James had in mind when he joined L.A., though they did win a title. They won the title in the bubble in 2020. I wonder if that's worth it to him. He got another ring, but... Since then, it's been abysmal. It's been a revolving door of teammates. Part of that is on LeBron. It's been multiple coaches. It's been injuries that he's dealing with, though he says that's not his problem right now. I've been fine. I've, I've missed one game. I've been fine. I don't... Yeah, the buzzing on your microphone is Yeah, like I've sat out every game this season or something. I've missed one game, and to yeah. be completely honest, if it was a playoff game, I probably would have played even though... You know, my, my foot was acting up. I played every game. So, man, uh, I'm going to go around treatment for 24 hours and the day on Friday, and hopefully I'll be in the, in the lineup. So, it's not, yeah. a, not an issue. Make it stop. Okay. That's, it's amazing. And by amazing, I mean sucky. What passes for quality audio these days? <laughs> That's terrible. 30 points in 32 minutes. So, yes, he's fine. He's gutting it out, which many athletes do, although it's very early in the season. So do I see some load management in the future? Russell Westbrook believes. Wait, does anyone want to know what Russell Westbrook thinks about the Lakers? Well, this is the only guy talking uh, <laughs> that they can still turn it around. I think it's early, um, honestly. Um, what is that year? buzzing? Um, the attack I of the killer hornets. The goal is obviously towards the end of the year to be playing in the playoffs, playing for a championship, but you get caught looking too far ahead. You need to focus on what we can do now, take one day at a time, and go from there. Okay. I, I don't care if we ever hear from the Lakers again until they get that buzzing fixed on their microphone and their recording devices. Was that from their YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, that's from the, just their presser. I don't know why they all had it Gross. on Gross. Man, if that's what I sound like, I would expect you to turn me off as well. So those are the big headlines. Stop it.
Actually, that reminds me. You weren't working with us then, Jay, but it's probably in our system. Back when there was this great rookie class drafted by the Lakers, it was Kobe's last year, and these young guys were doing a joint press conference, and they were asked, have you heard from Kobe? And nothing. You don't hear anything except for the buzzing of the microphone and probably the lights in the press room. It was just like that. Nobody said anything. And then there was some kind of awkward giggling. But it was just hysterical. It was like (laughs) five to ten seconds of nothing but across the board. No one wants to answer that. Sounds like you're at a high school gym and those lights are buzzing. Yes. You know, those, <laughs> yes. They would back. be so loud when they when we would practice and there would be nobody in the gym except for the team and the lights would, again, the attack of the killer hornets. So dotting the I's, crossing the T's in the NBA, the, the uh, Lakers stink, the Bucks. That's all Have I'm you guys say. heard from Kobe? And if so, what, what did he say? <laughs> Tell me that's not like. So when you guys are. <laughs> How no long answer. was that? It was way longer than 10 seconds, actually. I uh, I undersold that. It was a little over 10. Yeah. It's fantastic. Isaac thought that was the funniest piece of audio we'd ever had. He played that over and over and over again. So any of you guys heard from Kobe? And there was nothing but like the buzzing. <laughs> the guy that took a sip of water or something. <laughs> Anything. It was awkward hour. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, yeah, NBA. Coming up, Jeff Saturday speaks for the first time as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And then I had a chance to ask Trent Green, could you imagine stepping out of the TV booth and into a locker room to address a team as their new head coach? A really great conversation with Trent Green. We had him fill in the blank. He was game. Uh, so you'll want to hear that whole conversation after hours, amylawrence.com. That's our podcast. All of our interviews are uh, separately podcasted, uh, or you can hear a piece of it coming up. Good morning to you. I promise there are no more bathroom jokes. It's terrible. I should lose my broadcaster's card. Is there a broadcaster's card? I think they skipped us. I don't have one. Well, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Is anybody here from Kobe? (laughs) They're like shifting in their chairs. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. I have no fear about are you as qualified as somebody else, bro. I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to the playoffs 12 times. I had, I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? You don't think I've seen how people prepare, how they coach, how they GM, how they work? I mean, won Super Bowls, been to two. Like, here's the deal, man. None of us are promised a good job. I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going to back down. I can tell you that. Hey, I, hey, quit calling the plays, all right? Hey, we got to run the ball. Six down Let there, me pass blocks. We run the we'll run the ball. Can we run it down <laughs> yeah, there? Play- we run it down yeah, Jeff, we will. All right, we call pass, please. Block. Let's call it. Please. Go sit in. Let's call it. 
Please, I will sit down. Y'all quit yelling. Hey, go sit down. Oh, we're cool. Y'all quit yelling. over here telling us how to fuck. He's doing it. Come on, okay. He's yelling at us. You don't have to go yet. I'm mic'd up, too. I'm mic'd up. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. It's not going to get old. We get to trot that out over and over. The best part is that he's that he's telling him to stop calling the effing plays. Isn't that what Jeff Saturday is expected to be part of now is play calling? I know he's got someone officially calling the plays, but he was calling them as a center with the Colts. Peyton hated it. Now he's not calling them as the interim head coach of the Colts. Oh, uh, full circle, baby. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. I love NFL films. And that puppy has gone viral. <laughs> hey, I, hey, we're calling the plays, all right? <laughs> so I hope his locker room doesn't tell him that after like half an hour. Quit calling the bleeping plays. <laughs> It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, we had an opportunity to talk with Trent Green, longtime NFL QB in Kansas City. Uh, we also hear him with Kevin Harlan on the NFL on CBS every week. He's got the Colts game in Vegas, oi, this weekend. And so just a portion of our conversation in which I asked him, could he imagine stepping out of the analyst booth and into a locker room or onto the sidelines to call a game a few days later? <laughs> it's uh you know for a long time prior to me getting into uh into tv and radio and and everything i've done so this is my 14th year in broadcasting and and i played for 15 so when i my long time playing for for a lot of years i thought i would get into coaching uh-huh. uh and then the, and then the media opportunity came up for me and that provides a better family lifestyle that I was looking for than what coaching <laughs> lifestyle does. So I've envisioned myself being a coach, and I've talked about being a coach for a lot of years. As a quarterback, I was always big into game management in terms of understanding the clock, understanding timeouts, understanding four-minute drills, both offense and defense, uh, defense uh, drive starters at the beginning of the game or beginning of the series to get things going. You know, I've, I've always kind of put that hat on even as an analyst, has is, is kind of been as a coach. So I know where Jeff is right now. I know that um, even though he didn't play quarterback as an offensive lineman, as a center, you're kind of the you're kind of the quarterback of the offensive line. And we've all seen by now the the videos of he and Peyton Manning going at it <laughs> on the sidelines, uh, which are great videos, by the way. Um, you know, I think I think he's going to handle it well. And and you just from an outside standpoint, it maybe looks a little off. From a game management, timeout, all those kinds, I think he will handle well. I think the thing that he's going to probably have to make some adjustments to is, is the demands on his time as a head coach. I think that's one of the things that we've uh, we've learned over the years, uh, or I've learned over the years talking to the new head coaches that have, have taken over different teams and the ones that have taken over this year is instead of just doing X's and O's, now you've got certain number of hours every day you're dealing with media you're dealing with public <laughs> uh, you're, uh, the, you know the team doctors to find out the health of the team you're dealing with ownership you're dealing with gms and personnel moves you're dealing with hey guess what my baby's sick and now i gotta go to the hospital so i'm gonna miss this one hour i'm gonna be late to this because i gotta run over here to the dentist because my kids got you know it's like there's other stuff going on as a head coach that you maybe didn't have to handle in, in other situations so i look forward to talking to jeff although he may he may need a nap instead of talk to us um, this week. <laughs> I don't know if there's ever been a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, but when you watch him, what goes through your mind? Some of the stuff that he comes up with. It's phenomenal. And and I've uh, living in Kansas City. I also do the Chiefs preseason games. So I've, I've done them now for, um, gosh, it'd be 13 years. So 
I've been around training camp and get, and I remember watching him as a rookie, even though it was Alex Smith's team. And that right. was like, okay, this guy's got a little bit different style. I don't know if it's going to be able to click or work um, just because you see a lot of throwing across your body, throwing the opposite side of the field when you're running one direction, throwing the other way, uh, dropping your arm down in sidearm. <laughs> you know, you see some of that stuff, but to do some of the things that he's doing and at a consistently high level, you know, initially you see, and you're like, okay, he got away with that one. Okay, yeah, he got away with that one. Oh, he got away with another one. And eventually you start saying, well, maybe he's going to get away with all these. Maybe he's going to get, you know, he's going to break the mold on, on what quarterback, uh, what defines quarterback play. And, and um, what I try and tell young quarterbacks and, and ones that I get an opportunity to talk, talk with and be around is everybody wants to beat Patrick Mahomes now, but don't do that. That's That falls outside the framework of what normal quarterback play is. He, you know, he had the unique – ability and, and I've asked him this during the preseason telecast that for him he approaches a lot of it like baseball he's like you know he was a middle infielder so he was you know it's no different than turning two to try and get a double play he's like you know I don't really think about it when I'm rolling to my left and I drop down and I throw a sidearm underneath the arm of the defensive end back across the other way to a running back that's on a drag route that may be trailing me by 10 yards and I land on the wrong foot my body my body he's like I don't think of that any differently than if I was getting a baseball and I was going the other way and I had to get it over to first, you know, so he's just thinking of it a different way and, and throwing on different platforms. Now, because of the success he's had, there are a lot of quarterbacks around the league that practice that now. They spend all off season off platform, throwing off different angles, throwing at different, you know, velocities and speeds and those kinds of things. So he's really changed the way the league, the, the, the league approaches quarterback play. And uh, he's definitely unique and, and just keep setting record after record. It's a little bit like the Steph Curry phenomenon in the NBA. Uh, you don't want people to try to be Steph Curry because there's only right. one Steph. So it's like, here's what not to do, except, wow, he's dazzling. But don't be like yeah. him. <laughs> That's a great comparison. I, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way because his, remember when he first came in and, and like his shooting style, you know, just how quick it was and how, yes. you know, it was like, I'm taking this and it's almost like a flip from the waist. And he's also got this little <laughs> thing where he catches and out. It's almost like a long, I mean, his shot is so unique, but he does it so many millions of times that for him, it's no big deal when, you know, when he's sinking a ball from half court or sinking a ball from, you know, five feet across the mid court line. And, and it's like, oh, okay, he made it seem normal. So now <laughs> everybody tries doing it. Even, even seven footers go out to the three and, and try thinking they're just going to flip it up there. So. I am a big, big advocate of, of reps, right? If, if you're going to do that kind of stuff, you better rep it um, thousands and thousands, maybe even millions of times just to, uh, to get it to be that consistent. But, uh, yeah, that's a great comparison. Well, that's cool. You don't often get a compliment from a longtime NFL QB and analyst. There's more with him. We had Trent fill in the blank. Just like we asked you to do earlier in the week at the midway point of the NFL season. The best thing, actually, we have to phrase it right. At the halfway mark, the best thing about the NFL season is what? Do you want to know what NFL Network was doing on Total Access yesterday? The exact same heading. The best thing about the first half. Huh. I mean. Get out of here. If it wasn't phrased so exactly the same, maybe I wouldn't be suspicious. I mean, who does that? <laughs> Pete Carroll. Actually, we've saved some funny stuff. Uh, the, the kind of funny stuff that'll make you laugh, as in ha-ha funny. We've saved some of that for the back half of the this hour. Also, a couple of moments that include tears, but happy tears.
So check out Trent Green on our podcast, AfterHoursAmyLawrence.com. Find me on Twitter, A Law Radio. Take our World Cup poll and also on the Facebook page. Good to hear from so many of you over the last few hours. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Walker remains in the gun. Three-man rush. Takes the snap. Drops back, rolls to his left, he's flushed, loads up, airs it deep downfield for DJ Moore, behind his man! Oh, oh my God! Yeah. Caught the ball! <laughs> DJ Moore oh. caught the ball! How did that happen? Oh my goodness. Touchdown Carolina! This is amazing! This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. It was amazing. Unfortunately, there was a... Unsportsmanlike conduct penalty and a missed extra point and then a loss in overtime. But it was the only Hail Mary, uh, successful Hail Mary that we've had so far in the league. And it was PJ to DJ. And it was the Panthers radio network with the reaction. Anish Shroff as their play-by-play voice. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. The brilliance of Thursday Night Football continues Atlanta at Carolina. Now, this week, we don't have a World Series game to compete. We'll have a couple of NBA games. Uh, they're usually a, a couple have a couple header. <laughs> There's usually a couple header on TNT. It's a new word. You know how much I make up new words, and generally, they're amazing. Uh, you want to use them. So we're going to have a double header and a couple header on TNT. We'll have some hockey, and then we'll have Thursday Night Football. And you'll still pay attention. Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. It's an NFC South battle. Now, why do you care? Why should you care? Because the division is all bunched together. The Falcons are four and five. The Panthers are only two and seven. And if they get a win, they'll have the same record or the same number of wins as the New Orleans Saints. So for Grady Jarrett, for the Falcons, this is a huge opportunity on the road. Always a tough game. I mean, it's going to pull out the best in both both sides of the ball. I mean, both um, both teams want to do their best, you know. So, I mean, guys are going to play physical. They're going to play fast, and they're going to try to make big plays. And um, there's a lot of pride in this game and um, essentially one of our rivalry games that we have. So, both teams, both cities take a lot of pride in this game. I know the Falcons don't have a record above 500, though if they win tonight, they will be 5-5 five and five and temporarily installed as the leader in the South Division. But and, and that's probably why there's not been as much talk about Marcus Mariota and the reset and the restart to his career with Arthur Smith in Atlanta as there has been about Geno Smith and his resurgence and potentially comeback player of the year. I'm I'm not sure what the qualifications are, but the fact that he is now taking advantage of this opportunity again is, is huge. These two quarterbacks, middling quarterbacks at best when we saw them in their most recent stops. And now look at what they're doing. They're leading teams that have a chance to make playoffs. I know, I know Uh, it's the NFC South. Just bear with me. So Steve Wilkes, they're going to have their hands full, not just corralling Mariota, but also that run game for the Falcons. Quarterback being able to run the ball, uh, it creates problems because it's it's creating an extra gap. Uh, And, you know, you see so much now of the uh, college game infiltrating uh, the National Football League. And that's what he did in college at Oregon. And that's what he did uh, at uh, the Titans. So uh, we got to make sure that we're sound in our keys and our reads and, uh, you know, really go out in there and execute. So he creates a problem for us, but we've got to make sure that we're on point with our assignments. Now, see, 
He makes it sound so enticing. You're going to want to watch. I don't even know what I just said. You're going to want to watch. <laughs> Never say want to watch ever again. <laughs> the Falcons at the Panthers, NFC South, be there or be square. Marcus. Like- Mariano. <laughs> like Roger Goodell. I was going to say like me, but I mean, he just stepped in and stole my thunder. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. I'm sure most of you have seen it by now, but to make you smile on this Thursday morning, check out my Twitter or just Google it. It's available. We saw the most incredible, sweet, kind, emotional, adorable moment between Lamar Jackson and a huge Lamar Jackson fan from Mississippi who happens to be Landon, maybe six, seven years old, has a heart condition, had no idea. His dad and his parents, the Ravens, they surprised him by walking Lamar into the room where Landon was waiting Surprise. And the little boy, of course, I mean, most adults would start crying too, but the little boy starts crying. He gives Lamar Jackson the most enormous, gigantic embrace around the waist and won't let him go. I mean, it's it's awesome. And so we don't want to play the audio because there's really not a whole lot to it. Uh, Though, Lamar, you can hear him speaking, but I did just retweet it. It's on my Twitter, A-Law Radio. It's already been seen now by 6.6, well, 6.6 million times. When I first retweeted it, it was at 470,000. And look at where it is now. And I'm not saying that's because of me, because I'm losing followers like, well, you know, like I've got a mosquito sucking the blood. Uh, So it's not me, but it's just a, a video that will make your day. Another exchange, and this is more than two people, but this is really cool as well. If you are someone who's ever chased a dream, realized a dream, uh, you can identify with this moment. U.S. men's national team manager Greg Berhalter was able to call FaceTime with the young members of his squad and deliver the news that they are, in fact, going to represent Team USA in a World Cup. Ciao, McKinney. What's up? How are you? Hey, Coach. What's happening? How are you doing? On Wednesday, we're going to be officially announcing you on the roster for the 2022 World Cup, buddy. It's official. <laughs> it's official. Congratulations, man. Let's go, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Yeah, man. I'm, I was sitting here uh, holding my phone tight. <laughs> I can't. Oh, that made me smile. Jesus, thank you. God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I We think it's a well-balanced roster, um, it, it, some exciting players, and um, I think the other side of this, which we're re- really happy with, I think is the cohesiveness of this group. Um, you know, we know this group loves being together, and um, you know, this is certainly going to, we're going to need that in, in, with a tall order in Qatar. Very emotional. And even though you can't see their faces, trust me, or go to the U.S. Men's National Team Twitter. Uh, If you want, Jay, you can retweet it. 
It's so, so cool to see these young men, and most of them are young men. The average age is under 26 years old. It's the second youngest men's national team roster in in its World Cup history, which didn't include four years ago, and that sucked. There are a couple of veterans, Christian Pulisic, uh, certainly Weston McKinney, but only one guy who has any experience on the World Cup stage, which is crazy. You're going into... The grandest event in sports. There is no event on the planet like the World Cup because every nation gets involved, not just the ones that have qualified, but soccer's a lifeblood. And for anybody who's traveled outside the United States or outside North America, as I have, I've spent time in Africa. I've spent time in Central America. I've spent time in Cuba. I've spent time in South America. Most of the time playing soccer with young, with young kids, kids as young as three years old can dribble a soccer ball. Four- and five-year-olds can dribble circles around me. And in many cases, in third-world countries, they're growing up playing on pavement. I remember in Africa, we played with a group of kids. This was in Mozambique, out in the bush. No electricity. We brought them a soccer ball. We played on a field that was slanted with ginormous holes in it and thorn bushes. And you just had to hope that you didn't sprain your ankle or break an ankle and run into a thorn bush. They love soccer all over the world. Their football, our soccer. It's a lifeblood. One more story I'll tell you really quickly. One of the trips that I took to Ecuador, I was in Quito in an outdoor market. And it was during the World Cup. I'd have to remember, I think it was 2010, if that makes sense, 2010 World Cup. And I was walking through an outdoor market after we had done um, our humanitarian trip up into the Kita, up into the Andes Mountains, and we played soccer with little kids. We took school supplies, all that kind of stuff. It was really cool. And we were just kind of walking around debriefing from our trip before we flew out the next day. And in these little booths, so they have booths in this outdoor market, uh, booths in almost cubicles, every single one of them either had a radio or a black and white TV tuned to the World Cup. Ecuador wasn't in the World Cup. It didn't matter. You could hear, you could literally hear the same audio as you walk down the aisles. It was the same broadcast in every single booth, in every single cubicle. Buried in amongst their homemade sweaters and all of their other homemade wares that they were peddling. Making a living by selling their homemade goods and watching and listening to the World Cup. Unbelievable experience to hear it just echoing up and down the rows. It's a lifeblood for the rest of the world. And I said this earlier, I'll say it again. In order for the United States to grow its sport on the international level and even on the national level, we've got to win. The men have to win. Like the women did in 1999, and it sparked growth among youth, also at the high school and college level. More, more programs, more availability, more scholarships for young people, the men's national team would do that exponentially. If this U.S. men's national team with these young players, average age 25, I mean, Pulisic's already an international superstar, but he would earn a place in the United States unlike any other if he was part of a winning team at the World Cup level. That's what we have to do. We have to win. And then people will flock to the sport the way they do others. Because in the United States, we love winners. We are attracted to the shiny objects, the wins and the trophies. 
26-player roster does not include Zach Steffen. Uh, Greg Berhalter leaving one of his top goalies off of the roster. He said it was a really difficult choice. He actually called it heartbreaking because he's known Zach forever. So when you hear the name Zach Steffen on Thursday, it'll be because it's mentioned as a snub uh, or a big surprise. I can't even imagine being in his position. But yeah, we're going on to the international stage, the World Cup, with one guy who's got experience. Man alive. (laughs) So take our poll. We put it up because, Producer Jay, what is your interest level, your excitement level about the World Cup? Right now about a... Nine ish, eight, nine, ten. I'm getting pretty into it. I gotta say, Wait, what is it? Eight, nine, or ten? <laughs> it's 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 getting up there. It's gonna be a ten soon. I'm not. I don't think I'm at the ten just yet. Probably about another week. But I'm at like an an eight or nine. I think the team is healthy, which is huge. And because they're young and they've got a lot of energy and a lot of athleticism, maybe they'll surprise some people. I'm hoping, of course. Cannot wait. Take the poll on Twitter, A Law Radio, or our Facebook page. We want to gauge your level of interest and excitement. Think about it. USA and England, November 26th. If I'm not mistaken, hold on, I'll check my my calendar quickly. That is the day. It's the Saturday of Thanksgiving. Don't miss it. Be there or be square. Talk to you tonight. It's After Hours CBS Sports Radio. Boom! Boom!